Right, I'm going to say this is episode 16, because the last one was 15, I've re- but I've recorded two since, and they've both fucked up. <laughs> so, one's okay. like, I've just had a bin, and, and reorganise, um, which is happening next week, and then another one is in the process of like being fixed, So, but I'll probably say episode 16 on that, but I don't know which one's going to come out first. Okay. With Woody. So, this is, hi everybody, welcome to episode 16. <laughs> um... It's yeah, it's been a while since I've done like actually part of a podcast. I've done some short stuff, but me with Jamie Bradley, hello, I guess Hey Alaska fame originally, and uh, Scarlet Desire and all that. But we've been friends for a lot of years. Done, done yeah, some... but no one really knew who I was. Did I ever tell you about? <laughs> not to like go straight into it, like, but that's all right. <laughs> I can't remember what. Yeah, I already told you. I can't remember, but there was a gig at the Empire. Yeah, and. Uh, We'd already like set up on the stage and everything. And I just thought, oh, I'll, I'll be a good lad. I'll go and get the merch out of the van. Yeah. I'll start setting the merch area up for, might have even been you, thinking you were going to do the merch stuff. Yeah. So anyway, the doors are open, there's kids flying in, and I'm setting the merch guy, merch like area up. And uh, some like kid came over and he was like, oh, do you know Ash Holland? <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, you are joking. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know him really well, actually. And he was like, are you the merch guy for Hey Alaska? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> You're going to get a shock in about half an hour. <laughs> Fucking hell. You know, I used to, I used to um, obviously, I'd, I used to get asked a lot if I was a drummer because it was a small like period of time where me and Richie Leeson had like very similar haircuts. Yeah. And uh, people would call me Richard, so I guess, <laughs> or Rick or whatever, so people would presume that I was Richie Leeson and I just used to play along with it. But I remember specifically one time in Rock City in the um, in the smoking area, after, like club night after like, it was probably that night that I, I did that cool story. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. up everywhere. I was in the smoking area and uh, this girl was like, you're the drummer from Hey Alaska. And I was just like, <laughs> okay. I just like, went along with it. Yeah, 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 fully. I was like, yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah. And she was like, oh, I like, really enjoyed the gig tonight. And I was like, oh, thank you. Like, like fully, like, just pretend I was in the band. She was probably asking, like, when the next EP was coming out and stuff. Oh, and then, like, like I don't know at what point, but, like, Richie Leeson was, like, stood behind me, just, like, nodding and laughing and smiling. And then, like, <laughs> he let me get so far into it. And then he just went, you know the fucking drummer in Alaska? I am. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I, she, like, I could see her being like, and I was like, I just, I'm going inside. Like, don't ever talk to me again. There's <laughs> another one. I was walking to work through the Dundas and there was like about three or four kids that had Hey Alaska t-shirts on. Yeah. Straight past. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brutal, innit? So, but I don't, I don't know if we knew each other before Hey Alaska, but it was my introduction to a lot of people really in, in terms of like the music No, I, I don't like think that. so. I think you knew, yeah, like Andy and, and Ash. Martin and that like before yeah beforehand and then I think the first time I met you was like when you you joined us on tour yeah um, yeah yeah broke my uh, I guess you call it my tour virginity there you go yeah <laughs> no I was usually the guy that just like fell asleep a lot went to yeah. bed early voice was breaking so I couldn't go out and party and all that kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I remember actually getting in um because there was a few times where, like, when I lived in Leeds when I was at uni, and um, sometimes you'd kind of pick me up from Leeds for, like, yeah. one or two dates of the tour, and then yeah. drop me off. But there was, there was a time when I'd 
first time I'd kind of joined in at the start of the tour and um, from Teesside. And Robbie, Richie's brother, was just like sat and put his headphones on. I might have told this story before on a podcast, but I can't remember. And he was like, I just thought touring was just crazy party. Like non-stop, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I was fully like, I was ready for it, but I was like a little bit intimidated as well. And I kind of like jumped in the van and Robbie was like, look, I don't even know if he said anything. He just kind of like put himself in the corner and put his headphones on. And I was like, <laughs> oh, you're allowed to do that. Yeah. I was like, and, and like nobody was bothered. And they were like, everyone was like, yeah, you can just do what you want. Like, if you want to chill out or if you want to drink. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I was like, how am I supposed to ask? Like... Crazy rock star or like chilling with my I don't know, it was weird as, but that was like a really weird shock because I was like, so everyone's not getting pissed all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I got the impression that we were quite, like, I don't know, out there in comparison to other bands. Yeah. Our first tour we did with a band called The Chase, no one's probably ever heard of them. I tried to find them on MySpace not long ago. Yeah. Because like, they had some really good tunes to be fair. Um, and I think they were on a similar level, but yeah, I've always got the impression that like other bands are sort of like, oh, you guys are a bit, yeah, a bit crazy. But I can't take the credit for that because it's obviously the other lads, as I was yeah. normally quite sensible or driving. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you yeah, guys kind of set a precedent for for me because it, it, it was my first initial sort of touring experience. So I, I just presumed that that's what touring was. And I know I said there about like Robbie kind of like sitting and chilling, but there was a lot of drinking, there was a lot of partying. Yeah. We used to sleep in the van, which was actually not a thing that bands did I, but I presumed every band did it because you guys did yeah and I did obviously and like so when I toured with other bands and jumped in vans with other bands and stuff and they were all like not doing that I was like I thought they were weird <laughs> <laughs> but like you, you guys kind of took it to, to the extreme certainly so. yeah no I definitely had some good times and yeah. when if we had like a day off the next day I did let my hair down a bit I mean, um, I kind of like broke my strip club virginity on tour once. <laughs> yeah. With Alloway. That was pretty cool. Yeah. We were in Cardiff. Oh. And uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gig was wicked, actually. We did a really good gig. We were all in a really good mood. We went to this club. I can't remember where it was. And uh, it was about four in the morning, three in the morning. And we'd already. <laughs> it was like, you know, like the reps that they have for the strip clubs. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Come get some tits and all this. And they give you a, a flyer. Um, and and we like basically pocketed one like hmm, all right then maybe we'll see yeah yeah uh, anyway me and Alloway were just like should we should we just go to that strip club <laughs> I don't know why it was just me and him and he was like all right yeah yeah that was sure. a bit kinky <laughs> no he loves it <laughs> but he it was when <laughs> it was when he had like really long hair yeah like hair about here um and a bit of like bit of a beard going on <laughs> so we turned up anyway uh, and it was really odd like obviously it was like first experience you walk in there's like these leather padded walls everywhere and yeah, big dude yeah, in a yeah, suit yeah. and he's like checking you down and that and it smells really weird yeah and he was like in you go so uh, we sat down anyway got like a pint of Carlsberg this was the first point where I was like I need to get out of here because it was 4.50 for this bottle of Carlsberg <laughs> <laughs> lad on tour with like next to no money spending yeah. four, four and a half quid on a, on a bottle of lager and then uh, yeah and we were sat down anyway and then this woman came over to Richie and she was like boom straight sat on him straight away and she was like do you want this do you want this and he was like no no I'm alright I'm alright we'll just just see it have a chat and have, have a drink <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, uh, and then all of a sudden she goes off on a like little platform thing and starts starts dancing and then this other last came over yeah 
uh, this Welsh lass, and she sat with us, and she was really kind of actually, she was telling us that she was at uni, and she was, you know, she was stripping because she wanted to pay for her, her fees, and we were like, yeah, yeah. fair enough, and, and then Alois started, like, almost trying to talk her out of it, like, do you not think there'll be, like, other ways to make money? <laughs> So all of a sudden, like, it's you know... It's pretty lucrative. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and this woman, this last probably, like, loving it, you know, like, nice, easy afternoon or evening even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just talking to us about money and all this. And then, anyway, I, I looked at the menu and then it said, like, you could sit with the girls and talk to them. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Because I was obviously, like, really new to it all. Uh, it said on it that you could sit with a girl for, like, an hour, 45 minutes or something, and talk to them about whatever you want, but it cost you, like, 100 quid. Fuck. And I sat there and I was like... I've been sat here with Alloway talking to her about shit for about 45 minutes. Yeah. Am I going to get charged under quid? <laughs> <laughs> so they're having this really in-depth conversation. I just said, sorry, am I going to get charged £100 for this conversation? She was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she goes off, does the dance, and then big tall Romanian woman comes back and starts trying to get Alloway back in, and then we literally had to drag him out and yeah, get out yeah, of there yeah. before it was too late. It is funny, though, because I... Have been in strip clubs in the past, mainly in European countries, but um, yeah. where you're like, I've been like, I, I, you can never feel quite comfortable, you know what I mean? No. Like, it's like the group goes, you just go on whatever, and it's almost like, it's like watching a zoo sometimes. Like, yeah. I, like, it's almost like, so as, as if you're invisible, if you could like, you could sit and people watching the strip club and it'd be fascinating. And it is like, <laughs> you could like, you can hide enough to like have a drink and just like, be like, what is going on? But, um, and I've like done that and then strippers have come over and like sat down and like try to get me to get dance or whatever. And I've been like, like in the past, I was like so pissed that I was like, oh, well, like, do you want to, like, do you want to drink? You know, like, like I would to you or like I would to <laughs> yeah. anyone like, it's so you can just like chill out and like we'll sit and chat and have a drink but like I ain't getting like a dance or whatever and then they're like the first time like I ever said it I got a response from a stripper and she was like well yeah but it has to be a glass of champagne and to have it with me you, ha <laughs> you have to sit at the bar with me and it's like 55 euros and I was like <laughs> no so yeah so I was like or you could just sit there and talk to me and like not have you know I was like I was it was just a pleasantry yeah, and then yeah. she was like no no here is menu and <laughs> like you could buy a bottle of champagne for like three hundred quid and sitting and I was like this is so weird like how fucking lonely you have to be to be like I'm gonna drop three hundred pound on a stripper that you know like yeah. to just be there and just give someone money well that's what I mean like that's you know, the he, only reason they're there you know what I mean. It, you know, these these lasses wanted, well, not the lasses, it was obviously the strip club, but they wanted 100 quid just to sit and have a chat with them on a sofa. <laughs> That's why I was panicking. It's I was sad, isn't it? Like, oh imagine, yeah. like, if you get to the point where you're like, I'm going to have to go to the strip club to pay 100 <laughs> just to have someone to talk <laughs> to, to me. Like, it's pretty one. lonely, isn't it? Oh, God. Hopefully you never get there. <laughs> no. They are weird places. Like, I mean, you know, I'm already disclosed this because my wife knows, but, like, obviously, yeah. like, when we went on, like, you came, didn't you, on, on the stag do? Yeah. Uh, there's a strip bar like in the hotel bar. It's like you know, like the equivalent of. Going <laughs> I would say it's the weirdest <laughs> thing that, wouldn't it? Like going to the Premier Inn. Yeah. And then no, I'm just gonna go and get a drink. Bang, pair of tits or whatever. And like, and the thing I found amazing about it was like how straight on the other were. Like we literally just yeah. got there, looking like shit. It was about eleven o'clock at night. I was in comfies and just opened the door and it was like, "Hey, you want to dance?" It was like, "Oh my god, we've just got here." <laughs> 
And then the next day, like after the first night, next morning I had to go get some breakfast because I was so hungover. Yeah. And then it was just like a normal bar. <laughs> well, yeah, what was bizarre about about that stag do, well, that hotel was that, you know, when we first kind of got in and yeah. did, they were talking to us about like the rules of the hotel and like stuff like that. When we first walked in, you probably remember, there was like two big double doors and if we could just hear like pounding dance That's music right, yeah. behind it, I knew like you you get a free drink, but hold on, hold on. We were all like fucking like dogs, like oh, it sounds amazing in there. Like, no, but the word daft either weather, because like you know, again, eleven o'clock at night, your room's not ready yet. Come yeah, on, yeah, come yeah, yeah. on, get yourself into the hotel bar and have a night. They were like holding us back, and we were like, this this sounds like amazing. You know what I mean? We're like, this is gonna be the best like hotel ever because we could just hear like you know we could see the lights underneath like yeah. the thing at the door and like this music and I was we were like this is gonna be fucking me. Finally, like that's in but the door it was just empty except for one poor girl just like spinning on the uh, on the pole and we were like. <laughs> It was like it was cold, you know yeah. what I mean? They just turned the fridges on the bar so all the beer was off and that. <laughs> and the one guy at the bar paying two hundred euros to talk about dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was uh, funny. If you'd asked me what if this podcast got into strip, like strip clubs and stag boots in the first ten minutes, I'd have said no. But here we are. <laughs> I know yeah. Do you know what's even worse? You know I, I yeah, was that just really bad say coffee. I was really enjoying the the filtered coffee you made me and it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's like a backyard now. <laughs> Explain myself. So, the I wasn't sure what the facilities were like in in my new podcast spot. Hope everyone likes how it looks. I think it looks mint. But I offered to make Jamie a coffee and poured filter coffee just in a mug and put hot water in it. <laughs> Before I realised it was filter coffee, so we're both drinking mud essentially. <laughs> but I've got a bit of a caffeine buzz going on. So yeah, same. I'm like just trying to drink it and not get the grounds in my mouth <laughs> oh yeah anyway what are you doing now then for a living for a well, living alright when you inhale Alaska um, you I remember like sometimes on tour away you'd be like yeah I'm I'll meet you there yep uh, I'm driving there from fucking Stockton and we'd be in Nottingham yep and you and then I'm driving straight home because I've got work and, and I don't have the holidays what were you doing then we so it was a I think I had like three different jobs while we were in the van, but yeah. when it first started getting somewhere and we got a van and everything, uh-huh. um, I was working for what was swiftcover.com, yeah. which is now just a part of AXA Insurance, and All right. they're actually a couple of doors down from here yeah. um, in, in Exchange Square, and uh, yeah, so so basically that was, that, that was that. I started off working there on the phones, just like as a sales person yeah um and then i've always been into like it and i suppose web development but i didn't really know much about it then yeah and then a job came up about a year after i'd been working there and it was it was called a software analyst or software test analyst i think they called the position it was basically like a tester yeah so you know there'll be a group of guys that will build something for an application and then someone needs to check it and make sure it does what it does and all right and i basically um, went through well I applied for the job never got it the first time and then did like a training plan through AXA and, and got the job the second time and did that for a couple of years and then realised that I wanted to get into like web development so you yeah. know building websites and things like that and there's like two sides to the to the spectrum of web development I don't want to go into it because your, your viewers are just going to fall asleep but <laughs> basically like when you go onto a website and you look at the like the graphics and 
and and the functionality that's involved around using the website that's yeah. that's my end it's called front end development yeah um and and that's something that i always like quite liked you yeah. know i've been quite creative sort of like a little bit of design and stuff so i basically taught myself how to do that just through like online video tutorials and stuff right. and i tried to get a job in that area at axa but I couldn't at the time, so I had to I had to jump ship, um, and then I went to work for an agency called Leighton, who were based in like Hortonless Spring near Durham. Yeah, uh, and that was around the time when the band kind of stopped. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure at this point Richie had already moved to London, and then as the band slowly like started to sort of like well I, I want to I don't want to say fall apart, but that's pretty much what happened. Like it yeah. just sort of came to a halt. Um, that's when I sort of sat there and thought like oh I need to I need to get something so yeah I sort of progressed towards forming that career and yeah, yeah. now after doing that for a few years now I'm basically a full-time freelancer so yeah. I've got an agency called Endeavor Digital just around the corner in Boho 5 yeah um and yeah we we just we just build websites for clients yeah. basically do you think that it was partly to do with um when you're in a band like for me, anything I was kind of doing while I was in a band, and there was gaps because there was times when I was in bands, and there was times when I was like maybe at uni or whatever. There's that band I was in, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there, there was gaps where I always kind of like for a long time, like my, my focus was like being a band, and that's it. And the times that I wasn't in a band, it was still all I was kind of like thinking about. I was going to loads of shows, and I was still yeah. playing drums. Yeah. It was kind of all I was into, and then. Obviously, rates came along and took up a lot of my time, and uh, I kind of just got when rates kind of stopped. You kind of have that thing where you're like, "Oh, what, what do I do? <laughs> like, yeah. what, what, what's who am I without a, a band? You know what I mean? What's yeah. what's my skill? Did did you do you think that when perhaps when you were working for Swift and stuff, it was just a way to kind of like fund being in a band and I think so. I think I had like quite a neutral like outlook on it. Yeah. So, I I mean, don't get me wrong. I always wanted the band to do well. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like, well, if it's not going to be there, I don't want to be in a position where I've got nothing. Yeah. Um. So that's Sensible. yeah. Right. So that's pretty much why I was. It was kind of yeah. So it, it was double edged sword really. Like it was good because I was still making money. Uh huh. Um. Like I, I had a house and stuff that I was renting, and I, yeah. I wanted that independence. I didn't want to be at home, so I chose to keep the job. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, like it, it did, it it did restrict us a little bit because there'd be times where, you know, the guys were saying like, "Oh, we could do this show," and then the first thing I'm automatically thinking is like, "Well, how am I going to get around it with work?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why I drove to a lot of the gigs basically. Yeah. So especially when I got the testing job. Um, because that was like a little bit more serious and a little uh -huh. bit more involved. Um, there was times where like if we would if we were touring, then I might only be there properly for like part of the tours. Right. So if we had like northern shows, for example, I would drive to all them. Yeah. And yeah. then I'd take holidays for when we were down south and things like that. And yeah, when it's impossible to get to from London. Yeah, of like. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think I think that's that was kind of it. But I think you're right. I think when it started to come to an end. That might have like been a little bit of a trigger. That yeah, I think I already had like a bit of hunger towards the job. I think I kind of knew this was the direction I wanted to go down. Yeah, and I, that's what I want to do. And I think once I'd established that, when the band came to a halt, it was sort of like, 
cringy as it sounds like it's almost like this is the calling like the, you know all right Next what better step. time to do it than than, than do it now yeah. and, and that took over the because i did put a lot of time into the band like we did yeah. like loads of writing on nights and stuff and i got quite into the whole like mixing side of it and stuff and yeah. recording the demo producing and, and i did all that and then and then as it started to slow down I, I sort of filled that time with learning how to write code basically yeah yeah, yeah. um and and yeah like i suppose thankfully it's kind of paid off because i'm loving what's what's going on right now with yeah. it so yeah and you seem to be doing well i know you're busy like yeah like busy it. yeah um obviously everyone wants to be like an amazing entrepreneur and have yeah, a, a yeah, wicked yeah. startup but yeah i suppose like i can't complain like i got through year one that's yeah. like that that was like a, a massive goal for me yeah um and it, it it sort of came out the blue as well and probably quite at a bad time like it was around it was february last year that i decided to do it yeah um, and mel <laughs> was probably about like uh, yeah i think she was like five months pregnant with Maisie <laughs> <laughs> so like <laughs> but I was second kid on the way and I'm like yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go and start a business like yeah, I, I'm yeah. sick of working for the man now <laughs> yeah so all that security like essentially had to go a little bit um but but yeah like you know to be fair to her she was really supportive about it and she just yeah. said like I don't want you to be unhappy if you want to go and do this then go and do it and it was sort of like a now or never moment yeah so yeah I went and did that but I think like because I knew I had these like um, responsibilities, kind of took the right steps. So before I got the office and 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 formed the agency, I suppose if you mm -hmm. will, the company was registered, but I was a contractor. Yeah, yeah. So I d I did like lots of uh, contracting for a year in Leeds. Right. Um, and and that helped me build up enough money so that I could, you know, stay stay local and get an office and, and to get the office and yeah. start looking for like my own clients and things like that. Yeah. But but yeah, like you know. Um, it seems to be going all right. We've got the office. Like I've got enough money to cover the office for two years, which is great. Right. So it's, it's sort of like a test, really. And then, yeah, you know, if it, if it doesn't work out, then review it. Or yeah, if it yeah. doesn't work out at all, then think of something else to do. Yeah. Or if it gets better, then. <laughs> or if it gets better, yeah, which yeah. is obviously the you know quite negative. That wasn't it. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> like right. obviously the intention. You've got to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got to be. Got to be level-headed, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I've just recently taken like my brother on as an apprentice. So yeah. So I suppose we're, we're expanding, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to to give something back to like the apprenticeship community, I suppose, because that's that's that was my background. That's yeah, where I like yeah, got yeah. all of my like qualifications from. Yeah. So funny, I seen a thing on um, I think it was on Twitter the other day. I can't I can't remember what profession it was based on. Oh, it was fucking uh, iced tea, <laughs> right? He's <laughs> amazing on Twitter. Um, and someone had uh, someone had tweeted him saying. Hire like, he, I, th I think he might do a thing where he, like gives people advice or whatever. And, yeah, because um, yeah. he fucking works his ass off to be fair. And he'd said like, somebody tweeted him saying, "Hire like, I hate my job. Uh, I'm totally stuck in a rut. I want to be a rapper. Uh, like, how did you do it? I think I'm just gonna quit everything and become a rapper full time. What like steps yeah, yeah. should I make? And like." <clears throat> replace the term rapper with anything. It could yeah. be fucking web developer. It yeah, could yeah. be could be from like owning the news agents to being a movie star, you know what I mean? He was just like and his response was like, hang on, chill out. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. don't quit your job. Like just you're going to have to like hustle alongside your job and then until you get to the point where you can't do both at the same time because the the thing that you're you're aiming to do, your rap career or whatever career is successful is like so 
busy that you can't do your full-time job that's when you make the switch yep. it was like you know you hear stories like you hear it a lot in mixed martial arts actually where people just turn up to like a world-renowned gym in la or like it happens at conor mcgregor's gym in ireland where people just turn up and knock on the door they go i've sold everything i've just got me in my car i'm going yeah. to be in like yeah yeah the next big mma star and they're like like i mean that it's you hear stories where like people have done it and succeeded, but it's like one in fucking ten million. You yeah, know what I mean? like, that's pretty much the mentality I had with the band. Like, for me at the time, we didn't have, there wasn't anything there to say. Now's the time to leave it. Do you know, yeah. what I mean? like to to leave working. Yeah. Um, it's so hard with music though because, like, in most endeavors, and I like I I work full time for person to person marketing doing video stuff but I also obviously freelance doing video stuff yeah, yeah. the music video like we were talking about earlier um, and I like even if I if I'm freelance doing something I probably fill my nights up doing something else like yeah. I just feel like I'm maybe similar traits like now I'm, I'm always kind of looking at just doing something like yeah, I yeah. like to be active and busy so I can't remember where I was going <laughs> yeah what what we were <laughs> <laughs> the band hey alaska making money yeah so yeah, yeah yeah like i with i with a camera and a certain set of skills can i know if like if the shit hits the fan and everything like everything fails i've got a camera i've got like my laptop yeah. and my vision and i can go exactly. I, I can make money from this in a band it's so hard to make money for, like you know you get paid 50 quid for a gig that barely covers your petrol like exactly it, like bands are, are expensive like yeah. unless you make it to that kind of like cream of the crop like it's so hard to recoup money. i think so there were a couple of times especially when oh, i can't really remember the ins and outs of it because i didn't get too involved with it but um i'm pretty sure there was times where we kind of were in profit but we just said like right like there's no point in the putting in six pockets because it's going to be like a tenner each yeah yeah something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yeah um so you're right, like you're just constantly funding something like, oh, the, the van tax is due, or the t-shirts, we need some more t-shirts, or yeah. we need to get some more CDs printed, or we need to do this, or we've got, a, like, we want to start thinking about recording, so let's shut yeah. it in there. And and yeah, you're right, like it's, I don't know how some bands do it. And I, and I, I remember, I haven't thought about this in ages, but I seem to remember like, there was always like this common joke that Southern bands always do well because mum and dad fund them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like a common trend where like all these bands were sort of appearing, yeah, doing really well on these ace tours. And yeah, there was like yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's rumors, but like the gist I got was that like yeah they've basically been bought onto the tour or whatnot. Yeah, and it's yeah. so oh, true. That happened. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so true because like it's really really hard for a genuine hard working bands to get somewhere. And yeah. there's not one day where I think I regret leaving when we did, or I regret doing the band because yeah, yeah. I think given the circumstances that we were in. You know, I mean, we were like 21, 22, invest in this like van that was costing us a fortune. Yeah, like, yeah, only yeah. like, you know, even even like, I think it'd be different if we were doing it now because like, you know, we all have jobs now. Uh -huh. and every, every, it's a bit more stable, but you know, there was on, you know, lads were either working part time or yeah. my full time salary wasn't brilliant, and I had the house to like keep going as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really really hard, but given given that, I think we lasted like a really good. Yeah. amount of time and I think we had a really good a really good time doing it yeah it was a shame to let it go but not one part of me feels like I, I, I regret as such it just yeah. sort of felt right good um so yeah I, I, 
It's a, it's a funny one. It's that band thing. I remember reading something where it might have been in the Guardian, so take it for, for what it is. But it was saying that like in that kind of you remember like the indie band like yeah, yeah. boom. It was like all these people, all these essentially rich kids down south yeah. were, um, <laughs> were like taking year taking a gap year at uni to just start a band yeah. funded by mum and dad just for like for like to make money. And I was like, I'm reading it being like. How and they were like they're basically trade it like an investment. I was just gonna say that yeah so yeah get like that makes sense if it, if if they yeah. can see something but like that's that's quite a like how 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 do the parents know yeah. that they're gonna they're, they're gonna be good enough to it was bizarre it was almost like each each member so it put two grand in got two grand from the parents or five grand or whatever I think five people put five twenty five grand into any business yeah yeah and then they just go we're gonna look like this we're gonna write songs like this we can all we're all relatively intelligent so we can all play instruments or whatever um, and some of them fucking did it <laughs> like yeah, you know yeah. what I mean and some of them just made a little bit of money probably now like have like hundred quid drop in the bank every month off Spotify you know what <laughs> I mean like. I, but I, I was disgusted at the time because I was like, you're just like pissing on, I know it was indie music, so it kind of wasn't like my realm, but I was still like, I was like, oh, the shit that like wig off, you know, I like fucking grafting a blockbuster yeah. so that I can like save up my pennies to buy some new symbols, <laughs> like, so I can just break them, <laughs> like, yeah. and, and like play drums for a death metal band, essentially, you know what I mean? I was like, it infuriated me. Yeah, no, but I also... I mean, I've always had this like kind of um, opinion that I feel like you appreciate your stuff a bit more when you've worked hard for it. Oh yeah, 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 thousand. And I think yeah. that's a contribution to why, like, I appreciate the time with the band so much. Like, we really, really worked hard for that. Yeah. And you know, and you did some really cool stuff. Like, some really good yeah, stuff. and that was like something I forgot to mention earlier. Is like when when you were saying like about about knowing the right time when to like go full time into music, like. We did that competition with HMV when Alloway worked for them. Yeah. So, like, for the people listening, I suppose, like, we ended, like, a Battle of the Bands competition, which was uh, for HMV staff members who were in a band, mm -hmm. I think. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And yeah. then uh, And then, yeah, like, but it was on, a <laughs> it was on like, a ridiculous scale where, um, where was, where did we go for that, um, the that first, first one, round? Was it the, was it the Forum? Because it was the Forum and the Apollo. I was at the, the smaller the, one. So I think the Forum was the final. And then the Apollo was like the the prize. So the, I'm, pre I'm pretty sure oh, there was right, like okay. two gigs. So you came to the final when you brought, because you brought your camera. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. that's the one we won. And then there was a smaller one, Garage, the Garage, I think. Right. Uh, it might have been. It was something like that. Um and, and yeah, basically we did this battle of the bands and we got through the first round and we were like, oh, yeah. wow, yeah, cool. And then, and it was really good because <laughs> you're going back to this, like this, I suppose, like this working class band thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had like, um, like all right gear that did the job, but it wasn't anything spectacular. So like in guitar. I remember you just being on the stage and being like, fucking hell. This yeah. Is, like this is a big stage. Well, I, I remember it so much because um, we basically had like a backline provided and I just love martial amps. I've always like really been into them. And and at the time, I couldn't like afford a valve amp. Yeah. So there's like two different types of guitar. You got a valve amp and then a and like a solid state amp, which is like it's just not powered by valves. Yeah. And uh, so you don't get as like as as rich of a tone out of it. And um, we turned up on the stage and there was uh, this Marshall JCM 900, which was like my dream amp. And yeah. I was like, 
holy shit, am I allowed to use that? And then the guy was <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And it was like the ultimate combination for any guitar player at the time. It was like this Marshall JCM 900 yeah. with this orange cabinet 4x12 thing. And I just yeah. left, I was like, yeah, all right then. So I just left my gear in the car. And it's something as, so, something as so simple as that, as this head that you could potentially get for 500 quid secondhand, yeah, which yeah. doesn't sound like a lot now, but at the time it was like, oh my God, I can't afford it. Yeah. And like, yeah, that whole experience, because both of those rounds, the semi-final and the final, we were able to use this like just awesome backline, and yeah. a lot of us were just like, "Oh my god, this is brilliant!" Um, and and I've gone on a tangent. I can't remember where I was going. Um, well, well, the fact that you won it, the kind of working class. Sorry, yeah, it. yeah. So, so yeah. So we we had this wicker gear basically, and then we on this on in the forum that was the final, uh, and and we won that, and we didn't really th- well, at least me anyway. I I didn't think we were going to win it because it was there was acts of all kinds there. I think we were only the band there of, that had a sound like we did. So yeah. there was only one band with a screamer and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and we were like, like Moshers really, do you know what yeah. I mean? And everyone else, there was like a rapper there. Right. There was a couple of indie bands. There was some rock bands that were a bit a bit weird. Yeah. Uh, sort of sounded like they belonged in like 2004, 2005 time. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, and then they, they announced that we won and we were just like, oh my God, like, are, are we doing something right? And... I think that that was like definitely the peak of, of the of of the band absolutely, and I think we maybe thought we've we've got a chance here because yeah. as part of that, like yeah, we we played at the Hammersmith Apollo as part of like HMV's Christmas party. It's no wonder this company have nearly gone under because <laughs> their Christmas party was like yeah, we're going to hire out the Hammersmith Apollo. We're going to put loads of acts on. We're going to get John Bishop to be the compare. We're going to give you all a free bar. Yeah, um, it's going to cost a lot of money, and then we're going to put you up in a hotel for the night as well. Yeah. And I mean, for us anyway, we were put up in a four or five star hotel around the corner, got all yeah. the free booze, got Wicked Rider. Um, but who else played? Manic Street Preachers? So it was Manic Street Preachers, Paloma Faith, I think Sheldon's period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and t- Tiny Temper. Yeah. Uh, and Eliza Doolittle. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's like, it's it's mental. And then of course, like John Bishop's there comparing it all. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, so we played that, and that, that was cool, but we only did, like, two songs. We were just, like, a little warm-up act, but uh-huh. that was a really good experience. But on the flip side of it, we also were able to record, the. I think it was, like, the two songs that we played to win. Mm-hmm. We had to record as demos at Universal Studios, Yeah, which was, like, pretty good, but, like, that was one of the most daunting experiences of my life. Like, yeah. we turned up, and there was this little studio but there was just like thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of equipment. Yeah. Like the guy's desk was like something ridiculous, like 20 grand. They had all of this outboard gear, which was like really vintage and really expensive. And then you went into like the live room yeah. and there was just amps, black star amps, Marshall amps, fenders, anything, you know, you, you just name everything it. everything you Just everything. Yeah, yeah, it was wicked. And then even the microphones, you know, he's, he's telling us about the different mics we can use and stuff. And, and yeah, like I think originally what we were meant to do was record them live, basically. But we right. said, "Oh no, there's just one song we want to do, which is prove it all." And yeah. we're just going. We would like to do it like as a multi-track, like a proper thing. And he was like, "All right, yeah, sound that's fine." We had a nice day, but uh, unfortunately, that was the day that my voice decided to break. Did it? Yeah. So the recording turned out horrendous because, like, I don't know, like. It, it seemed a bit rough anyway, um, but I, I 100% wasn't happy with my vocals. Like, Luke was, like, really on form. And yeah. I, I, think, I think I just let the pressure get to me a bit. I was like, oh, my yeah. God, like, what am I doing here? Um, you know, like, I'm, I'm recording in front of all this equipment. Where, where's this thing going to go? Like, just, just thinking about stuff too much. Yeah. And, 
and yeah, my voice went. So it wasn't the strongest vocal take, but in on the on the flip side, um, you know when we, oh shit, where am I going? Uh, yeah, nothing came of it basically. So we yeah. had all this hype and we were doing really well, um, and we had some really good gigs lined up, and we were able to like sort of like brag about what we did with that. Yeah, and then it just sort of went like yeah. faded down, and then I think that's where it kind of yeah came to an end. So I mean. So much of it in the in the music industry and so many bands like make it or break it on look a lot of the time. Yeah. Um and I think it's just bizarre isn't it? and it, it's weird because had you not had that situation, right? Um, you know, say like Parallel Universe, Alloway doesn't work at HMV. Yeah, yeah. So you guys just continue being a band, like your trajectory would probably still look like that. You know what I mean? But like, because that was kind of like in the middle of it, your trajectory probably went, it, it was still going up. Yeah, yeah. But like, you just, you, you get like, I was talking about before, like I, I was saying, I've still got what feels like unfinished business in the music world, which is why, yeah. you know, like I, I was saying to you about like, I want to record some stuff and maybe we'll end up collaborating on some projects. And like, I've got like an album in mind that I kind of want to write. And I think some of it is because, you know, Wraith got to a certain point where we played some decent festivals, we signed, we, we got a record deal. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Like, that is a whole other story of why <laughs> we no longer were in that record deal or we weren't in that record deal for very long. But I think it, it was the right thing to happen, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not upset that we um, broke it off with Ghost Music or whatever, but we just, like, we got a peek behind the curtain, I guess is what I'm saying. And yeah. once you do, you kind of, like oh fuck like it, it, it's so close yeah you know what I mean you're like you can fucking you can almost feel it I know what you mean and then and it's for whatever reason it, it, it goes away and you're like yeah. fuck like I was there so I can get there again yeah. and now I'm old enough and wise enough to fucking fight my way all the way through yeah you know and I, mean? I was gonna say actually like I don't know about you but I listened back to the album like not long ago a few months yeah. ago or something and I listened back to it and I was I, I was kind of like it's not really good this like, <laughs> yeah because yeah. I, I think Listen I could still it. put it on and be like yeah I think it oh, still hold mate, up if I sat with you and like just sort of like deconstructed it with you <laughs> I think you'd understand what I mean like right I don't know I don't know a band that can get away with writing intros for as long as I was at you know there's yeah. a couple that are at least 30 seconds long and yeah. you think how, how on earth have people listened to it like yeah yeah, yeah. and, and there's, for me Prove It All is 100% the best song on there. Like, yeah. not just because it's, like, got a poppy feel to it, but, like, I noticed when we recorded that album, so we we did it in, like, two parts. We tried to do it, like, on the cheap a little bit. Yeah. That's another thing I think we maybe did a little bit wrong in hindsight. Like, right. if we if we just waited a bit longer and forked the money out. Yeah. And went to Matt O'Grady and just said, these are our songs, help us make them better. He probably would have said, it's, it's 10 seconds too long, that in row. Or, right. Like, you know, like, this this could go here. Yeah. And it, we, Whereas what we actually used him for was essentially an engineer. So we went to Landscape Studios down the road. Yeah. Recorded all of the music there. Um, and then we sent the drum tracks off to some dude in the States who basically like realigned it all up for us. So okay. it, was, like, it was in time and in phase and everything. Um, and then we went down south to see Matt O'Grady with these files and said, boom, there you go. Um, and said like, just, you know, polish this turd essentially like, <laughs> yeah. but 
I think he might have felt a bit out of his comfort zone because, and I, and I, I comp- now I appreciate it. At the time, yeah. I was sort of like, how hard can it be? You just get some wavs and you mix it. Yeah. But if I get a website that I've not built and I've got to change it, or I have to build a site that's similar, yeah, or take parts from a website and it's not my code and it's not written in the way I like, I'm very, I find build it very hard. Yeah. yeah. Build something that you're proud of as well that you want exactly. to look nice. So this poor dude, anyway, is <laughs> is is just being given these wavs and and he's not recorded them in the same way or they're just not they're not his setup. do you yeah. know what I mean he, I, I got the impression that he felt a little bit out of his comfort zone yeah and I mean I'm not bad mouthing the, the album at all but when you compare the mixing of that album to the EP that we did with him it's just so the EP is so much tighter right um, and I think it might have been the way we recorded it as well because like, we did we pretty much did the majority of this ourselves the yeah, album yeah. whereas with the EP you know, even guitar takes, it was it was very produced. Yeah. It was like, right, four bars, record guitars. Yeah. Do, 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 right, okay, stop. Record them four bars again. Do, 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 yeah. Record them again. He literally did it three times, and then he would chop and change so that you had the perfect guitar take. Yeah. So, you know, you'd spend a day, two days recording, like, yeah. what, four tracks or something? Like, yeah, just... Yeah. just uh, but, but the difference was, like, unreal, and I just think, had we, had we just sort of saved up for that a little bit yeah. in hindsight I think we, we'd have got a bit which is funny because all the record like you know sending your drum tracks off to America yeah. and recording with Landscape Rich probably wasn't cheap anyway <laughs> so if no. you put that money with like that's what I mean and, funds, and, in, like... and in our heads and I think you know again like it, it's not a regret as such we just I don't think I think it's sort of an age thing isn't it like when yeah. you're young and you're in a band you're just like oh, I want to get this album out and everyone you know we were so psyched to get it out and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and start doing our stuff and but we, we did it properly we recorded demos and everything but yeah. um, you know it would have cost a lot more money but if you think about like the the actual output that you would have got yeah yeah as yeah, a the, result the, of the it the payoff yeah I think it would have been a little bit better yeah but you can tell like you know there's certain songs you listen to and, and you think like that mix on there doesn't sound as good as that mix on there. And Prove It All's mix is tight because it's, yeah, yeah. it's got that quality that the EP had. And I think, and I remember him saying, he was like, is this a, is this a single of yours? Are you going to release this as a single? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like, oh, probably, yeah. And he was like, oh, I think this is the best song. Yeah. And I think he enjoyed mixing that. Yeah. So I think that's why that comes out Yeah. Uh, as thingy. But definitely some lessons learned. Yeah, yeah. I could sit there and say, you're like, oh, I'm not keen on that bit. I don't know what I was doing there, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. why didn't we change this to something else? And yeah. I think it's it's really easy to do that. Yeah, of course. Well, it's with anything. Like, yeah. I mean, if if you look at anything, yeah, it's slightly different. But had you been building websites back then, now you put you look yeah. back, you like you look back at anything you made eight years ago, and you're gonna critique it just because you, you're all doing oh yeah of course yeah I mean. yeah yeah i'm sure this, if i if i pulled up some code from a site i built when i first started out yeah I'd, yeah i'd probably just walk out the room yeah. <laughs> well like in 10 years time you might look back at this exactly now and yeah like... yeah no 100 percent. Yeah. yeah yeah um so i think i'm with you on that like because i know you said like you've got like this like little bit of urge to get back into music a bit. yeah and 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 like I, I feel that like i do sort of think like oh i could maybe do myself a bit of justice to mm. to write something different yeah. or Try try things out that I didn't try out then and yeah. stuff like that. It's just time in it. Like yeah. that's the problem at the moment. Like I feel I, like I'm walking like a really weird balance between like embarrassing old dude and like <laughs> just 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 young enough to like get away with it. Like yeah. I, I, for me, it's almost like a it just be a waste because I know people out there that have no musical skill 
at all and never will. Like, that are like completely tone deaf. And then these people that like absolutely just like adore music and would give anything yeah, to yeah. have the, the sketch skills that I, and I can just play drums and, and I can record stuff. I can, I reckon if you gave me a month with a guitar, I get a tune out of it by the end. You know, same with yeah. piano. Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm quite fortunate in that I reckon I can pull out some tunes out of like a stringed instrument. It's more like the technical bits for me. My ears there. Yeah. I can sing. I can. You know, you can play quite a few instruments. Well, you play guitar. Definitely, you can play bass. Yeah. You can play a bit of piano. Yeah. You can record music, and you, you know, kind of like the science behind all that. So, so for me to like have that in me, and to say. I'm probably never going to do anything again. I'm like, oh, what a waste. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I know it's in me and I, I go, well, I, I did, I spent most of my, certainly from being 11 to 18, I had drum lessons. Yeah. So it's almost like to, to ignore that and to just go, oh, well, that's that was fun. So that was a nice chapter. Youth and it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, wanna, yeah. But I, I'm like, am I clinging on to the past or am I just like, well, no, I've got this thing in me and I obviously like music. I listen to it all the time and I'm still very, like into it I don't listen to the same music I listen to fucking all sorts now yeah but I'm like I hear songs and I'm like that's I can play that on drums <laughs> like yeah. so yeah I this... think yeah I think for me like because um, you mentioned there about like having lessons from sub, such a young age yeah and I went through a phase when I was like sort of I think I was about a year or two years into playing yeah I taught myself um, and then I was like, oh, I should really get some lessons because I don't think I'm doing it right. And it yeah. turned out I wasn't doing any of it right. Yeah. But I only did it for about like six months. Yeah. And then, uh, and I think now, like, a, like sort of like in retrospect, I think I should have stuck at them because another problem that I found like when listening to the, to the album is that like, there's a lot of repetition. Yeah. And I mean, like it was, it was, it was like, it was pretty much m like me and Andy and that would sit and write the, like the guitar riffs, but you know, I think had I had that that learning and, and, and the experience from someone who'd been doing it a lot longer, I think yeah. I might have been able to make it a bit more versatile. Yeah, um, yeah perhaps. And that's something like, you know, like when you talk about like doing something different, I think that's something I'd want to try and do. Yeah. Just really sort of like, and, and I think this is, I don't think people realise like how much effort is actually required in like writing a song. Like, <sighs> you know, me. you listen to like a podcast or like, yeah. you know, uh, you, like you see these documentaries on YouTube about bands that like will write about 30 songs and there's only 10 that'll make the album yeah because they're just constantly constantly doing it and constantly trying to think of new things yeah and and, and that's something i didn't really appreciate when i used to do it like i'm yeah. pretty sure that i don't even think on the album there's a song that we wrote that never made it like every song that we wrote went on right whereas what we probably should have done is like times you know yeah you got them 10 songs triple that and then and then have another then thing pick, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 and i think that's 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 the the way to succeed I yeah think. but it's funny because like uh drake's just put a new album out yeah yeah um oh well, i said just it's probably one part two ago and there's like 20 songs on it um yeah. and there's, there's two sides to the to the camp on it because he's probably put out every i don't he probably hasn't scrapped a song and everyone's going yeah he's put out a, a double double lp with 20 songs in it eight of them are bangers you know what I mean? So for me, you go just put eight, eight tracks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then, but any and everyone's like his work rate's amazing because every year he puts out an album that has about fifteen tracks on it. And yeah. I'm like, maybe you should put out an album every two years with ten tracks on it. You mm. know what I mean? And yeah, then, yeah. And I'm not. Drake's got much more money than me, and it's much more <laughs> successful than I ever was with rates. But like, 
Yeah, there's, there's something to be said for it. He's definitely... Well, yeah, no, you make a fair point, and I've never really thought of it like that, but like he's obviously doing something right, isn't he? He's like the most streamed yeah, person yeah, off the yeah, music yeah. and that. And yeah. Maybe he just gets it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every, every time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who just like has it absolutely bang yeah. on. But then there's other stuff as well, you know, like, you know, all of these like massive mainstream artists, uh, there's always a producer yeah. sat there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, a fresh set of eyes or ears or whatnot, like hmm. putting, arranging songs in a certain way. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, and that's obviously something we didn't have. We were effectively the producer because we, yeah. you know, debating between us like how to do stuff. Yeah. But, you know, having that having that expertise um, really helps. Yeah. Um, and and this just goes back to what we were saying about the rich kids. You yeah. Know, like, parents have, have, have essentially funded the kids to get some decent gear, um, to have a certain look, to find a producer that's gonna, yeah. You know, portray that look on an album, and wham bang, there you go. Like they've they've got it. And that always seemed like a big step for me and them in terms of being involved in, in the local music scene from like a promoter point of view from when I was yeah. working with 10 Feet Tall, putting on a lot of shows and stuff. When I'd like hear so-and-so's band have gone down to it. Chad did it when, I remember when Chad did it. Yeah, and yeah. I think when Chad was on the podcast, I mentioned it. When I heard about him going to, um, so he went down and recorded some stuff with the guy from Futures. Yes, he did, yeah. And when I heard he was doing that, I thought, he's taking this seriously. Like, cause we're, and he'll probably... And it wasn't with that band. I thought, like, oh, well, this band will probably, like, go on to do some, like, quite big things. Um, and what it's turned into is, like, he's obviously took that expertise and, and brought in the Cape Cub. And he, Chad now does, like, a little bit of producing. And yeah, yeah. So I follow him on Facebook. And, yeah. Uh, I don't really speak to him much now, like, but I've sort of, like, kept tabs on, on what he's doing. Yeah. But I thought that was a really good move. And, like, it was a sensible move for what he was doing at the time because he was obviously going to get the sound that he wanted from him as it was well. A silly, yeah, it was a good exactly. style matchup one. Exactly. It? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's important as well. Like yeah. you know, if you if you if you're going to go down that road, then yeah. you need to listen to the, you know, the 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 albums that are done by the producers that you want to work with. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I mean I I have no idea how it works in the real world, but you always hear about bands that have like picked a specific producer. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming they must do like something similar. Yeah, yeah. But then again, yeah. I've also heard like you know, um, was it Under Oath? I watched a video uh, on YouTube with Under Oath, and I think it was the third album. Um, and there was a guy that, that that mixed it, and it was made out that they they basically got told it was who they were gonna get. Right. And he mixed like loads of tracks by like Breaking Benjamin and yeah, stuff yeah, that's yeah. just not not their bag at all. Yeah. Um. But it's actually one of the best sounding albums that they've released in my opinion. Right, right, right. Uh, and which yeah. album? Oh Christ! I try to avoid that because I can't remember the name. <laughs> <of it. laughs> um, What's the cover look like? It the the first song starts off with like some drums. Do 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 do. It's uh it's the one that came out after. The one, no, the define after the, one. the great line. It's the one after that. All oh, right. Okay. I can't remember what it's called. It's right. driving me mad. I might have to get my phone and look. <laughs> it's all right. Forget, we'll figure oh, it out. I can't remember yeah. it. Yeah, so uh, that album anyway, it's awesome. Listen yeah. to it. The snare sounds brilliant in it. Just everything's yeah, perfect yeah, yeah. on it. And and yet that was by someone who, or mixed at least by someone that yeah. they never anticipated they would work with. For me, it always seemed like a, like a, it's just like who, who you're working with. They have to be obviously skilled yeah. as a producer, but like it, it's almost like that working relationship. Like, when um when Ray 
we did our recordings with Nathan from Demoralizer, and at the time it was like he was just super into like that eight string like down tuned like nasty stuff. Mm. So, and obviously Charlton was super into the production side of it, and um, him and Charlton are just like talk all the time you know like not necessarily about yeah. like wraith stuff but just like geek out about plugins and like so they just had this relationship so yeah. when it came to like writing and producing our stuff it was just like it's such a like easy nice working relationship yeah. you and know that's what, I mean? what you want i think yeah you, you know so with like you guys and matt o'grady there was like obviously there's something there like I, I dare say had another band turned around to him and said we're going to record this elsewhere because we, we don't have the money or whatever send it to this guy in America to sort the drums out and then can you mix it I think had it been another band he might have told you to fuck off <laughs> like, yeah, he, not the fuck off but he might have just said no I'm not I know what you mean and that's a fair point you guys, he, he, was, he was quite resistant to the idea like, <laughs> I don't know how I managed to convince him yeah 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 I remember ringing him up and I told him and he was sort of like oh, I'd rather not and yeah. I was just like look we're skint like well we're not skint we've got the money to for, for to, that. to get to this far that's yeah, as far yeah, as we yeah. can take it yeah. and yeah um but yeah, like it would be, you know, it would be nice to get back on it. Yeah. I, it was the gigs I liked the most. I miss gigging. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, I do and I don't. I don't know. I don't miss fucking hauling my drums upstairs. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't miss that. Um, yeah. But I definitely, there was there's something about it. Like when we did that reunion show a few years ago, like that was, that was wicked. I got such yeah. like a rush off it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's that, that I miss. Not that every gig was like that. Yeah. yeah well, which was yeah. one of the things that used to, pissed me off about being in a band actually it was like you know you'd you'd be on tour and not that this was no one's fault like it's just it's just the crack of being in yeah. an in, in, in a unsigned band basically yeah. but like um you turn up and there's like three people there and they're not yeah. even asked they're just there because they've got nothing to do and that tell you you remember when you guys played in nottingham and this was one of the times that you drove down and drove home and yeah. the promoter tried not to pay you so we drove we me and you got in the car with him because I was tour managing because Martin was away. <laughs> and we'd got in your... I think, did you have a purple Fiesta? <laughs> yeah, that purple, that purple Fiesta, yeah. Yeah, and we drove to um, We drove to that random house and he like went in, he ran in and then ran back out and like gave us it and scrambled up five pound notes. Do you remember this story? I think so. There's, yeah. There's a couple I remember. I remember... I briefly remember that one. Yeah. I remember one in Sunderland but I think that's before you two were with us. That was yeah. really weird, that one. Um. And then there was one where we couldn't get paid. I think this might have might have been Cardiff. Yeah. We couldn't get paid, but we basically he had like a Premier Inn card or something. <laughs> so he was like, "Look, lads, I'm really sorry. I can't pay you, but I'll put you up in this Premier Inn." Yeah. And then we had to do like a like Mission Impossible style thing where two people had to go in first. Yeah, and the card yeah, had to come yeah, out yeah. and all that kind of thing. Um, but yes, no, I do remember that one now. Yeah, yeah. So, long story short, for for people. I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before, but anyway, um, kid tried not to pay it, so he came up with every excuse in the world, my bank card's in the post, my fucking, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, like, everything. Anyway, we drove into that house, got the money. Four years later, three years later, Race played a show at the same spot, same promoter, tried to do, tried to do the, same the same thing. thing. <laughs> and I was like, I looked at him and I went, how have you not fucking learned? And he was like, what? And I went, do you remember Hey Alaska? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, remember when you had to go to that house to get that money? And he was like, yeah, and I was like, I was in the car with you, like, <laughs> and it, I remember him, like, just being like, oh, fuck, and I just, like, at the time, I was like, 
Am I just going around in circles, like in my life? You know what yeah, I mean? I was yeah. like, am I like in three years' time? I'm just gonna be fucking back here with another band, and this cunt's gonna try and not pay me. Like, yeah. but he tried to do it again. And I was like, dude, haven't you learned? I was like, stop being a promoter. <laughs> like, yeah, there was tons of them, like just just pure snakes. Like, yeah, and they would they would put you on, knowing fine well that I can't afford this band. Yeah, but they're not thinking about like what's actually going on in the background. You know, yeah. like we literally relied on gig money to to get to the next like yeah, yeah, spot yeah. essentially yeah um and and yeah you know oh, it's just driving me mad and you would say the same thing you'd sit there and be like well yeah what's the point give it up i remember a guy in newcastle right stood in front of me with a tupperware box full of money he'd put on like a two-day festival at uh, yeah, newcastle yeah. college i think it was and uh i stood there with curtis ray whatever he's called and um <laughs> he was like Honestly, full of twenty pound notes, and he was, he was looking at me, going, "I can't afford to pay you." And I'm joking. Like, I can see the money there. I was like, <laughs> "I can count it from here." I was like, "Being here, yeah, I know, but this is all for name a headline and Matt defiled someone like that." I know, but this is all for them. And I was like, "What are you paying them? Like five hundred quid?" And he was like, uh, uh, "And I was like, so like around that, you know what I mean?" And I was like. There is no way that yeah. you can stand in front of me with a Tupperware box full of money after I've just played that gig and tell me you're not paying us. I was like, you are taking... And it, it must have took 10, 15 minutes. He was going, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And I was going, you fucking can't because I can see it. And he was like, I'll pay for it tomorrow. And I was like, you're lying. Like, yeah, yeah. And in the end, he was like, oh, all right. And like opened this thing and like handed it. And I was like, why is this so hard? How much are you meant to get off him? 100 quid, I think. That's shocking, isn't it? But I was like, it might not have even made that. It might have been 60, but... I was just like that was principle. Like if he'd if he'd have came up to me and said, "Look, I've got to pay this band a grand, and that's all I've got, and I'm really sorry," but I, I probably still wouldn't have taken it. But if you stand in front of me with a Tupperware box full of money, yeah. or, I've got no money. I'm gonna go. You fucking do, and I'm gonna take it if you don't give me it. Like, well, just you just think any decent human being that knows a band's travel to get here or whatever. Yeah, you know they'd offer an alternative like that guy with the hotel. You know. To him, he probably felt really bad, but to us, yeah. we were like, oh my God, a hotel on tour. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the a dream. ringing van that smells of yeah. voice. Like, yeah, absolutely. Get a shower in the morning. Like, yeah. that, that, you could do with the money. Yeah, sure. But, like, yeah. that, that was a nice gesture. Though. People hide away from, like, problems, though. You know, you chase people through invoices and they just ghost you. Like, and any, any of those people, like, I'd just rather rang me, went, look me out of fucking skin. Like, yeah, my, my business is failing or like whatever like but just a genuine like yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. like yeah. if I owed anybody any money and I didn't have it I'd be the first to tell them but that that's, that comes with again confidence and growing up and maybe 10 years ago I would have just hid under my bed and turned my phone off you know <laughs> what I mean so yeah I find I, I don't know like about you know you sort of talk about invoice payments and stuff like if I ever outsource work I always make sure I've got the money first yeah because yeah. I just never want anyone to be in that position that like I've been in before where you're chasing money and you're thinking like am I going to get this or like it's the worst isn't it yeah like, yeah yeah and that's one of the reasons why like I did like a buffer thing made yeah. sure I had the money first so I'm not stressing and I can you know yeah. we can put food on the table and all that yeah definitely cool that we've done about an hour there nice which is crazy isn't it um, I didn't expect us like j- just talk about like two and a half an hour <laughs> but just where it goes in it so um, thanks for coming on so if anyone is interested in Endeavour Digital if anyone wants to get in touch anyone needs some front end end web development where should they go what's what's the best Twitter Instagram just the website I guess yeah yeah endeavour-digital.com yeah cool any kind of website just 
there's a contact link at the bottom. Yeah, Do that. yeah, yeah. We have got a Twitter and everything, but I'm, I'm not on it very often. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have a chat about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Class. All right, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate it, dude. Cheers, man. Thanks, dude.